Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast by Snap Projections, episode 12. I'm your host, Pavel Braminski, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is Rona Birenbaum. Rona is the founder of Caring for Clients, a premier financial planning and wealth management firm. She's an honors graduate of York's University Business School, a certified financial planner and an insurance advisor. In 2017, Wealth Professional Magazine named Caring for Clients the top independent firm in Canada, and Rona one of the top 50 advisors in Canada, three years running. Rona was recently named a woman of influence in financial services. In 2016, she co-founded Viviplan, Canada's first low-cost, fee-only, pure financial planning fintech company to make financial planning convenient and affordable for all Canadians. Rona, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pavel. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Ron, I think the listeners are in for a treat today. So I'm going to jump right in. So tell me about your firm. And to be accurate, we have to mention two firms, right? The, the firms that you founded or co-founded. What do you do and who do you serve? Thank you. Caring for Clients uh, was founded, I founded it 18 years ago. And it is. it was one of Canada's first fee-only financial planning firms. And uh, what, what that means now and what it meant at the time was essentially uh, providing comprehensive financial planning advice for a uh, consulting fee. So um, even to this day, the majority of avenues consumers have to get financial advice is still to deal with a product sales person. And that's actually what I was. I mean, I never viewed myself that way. And I think most of our industry don't view ourselves as salespeople. Um, but from the consumer standpoint, the only way that they could uh, compensate me prior to me launching this firm uh, was for me to manage their investments or sell them insurance. Uh, and, and so uh, I always felt a little bit constrained in that environment because there were people who needed the advice, could benefit from comprehensive financial planning, and didn't need me to manage their money. So um, so I left the bank-owned brokerage industry 18 years ago, moved my investment management practice to an independent investment dealer, and started caring for clients. And I have to say that the early days, it, it, was, it was tough slogging. Canadians really did not understand the value of paying for independent, objective, holistic advice. I can imagine, for sure. Um, especially, well, how the industry is basically um, you know, constructed, how it works right now. It, it was basically very difficult for you to start a firm. But, you know, you were successful, so this is great. We'll talk about it a little bit more. So tell us a little bit more about the VD plan. We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more later, but I just wanted to start with that as well. So, so Viviplan is, is, is the outcome of, of my dream to make uh, fee-only, holistic, comprehensive financial planning available and accessible and affordable for all Canadians. As it stands right now, to access uh, planning uh, at, the, at, the, at the level of sophistication and detail that we do here at Caring for Clients and that many fee-only planners are, deliver, uh, across this country, uh, to access it, it's expensive. You know, it, it starts at around $3,500 and it goes up from there. Uh, and that's really outside the, the level of affordability for most 
Canadians, or at least they think it is because they really don't understand the value of it and what it can do for their lives. So the idea and the concept is to use technology to bring down the cost of delivering that advice. And, uh, and because technology can do that in a whole range of ways and in a range of industries, thereby what we're doing is we're taking a comprehensive plan that would normally cost three or four or $5,000 and bringing it to the marketplace online uh, for $800. That's, that's the vision. And so far we're, we're getting a whole lot of traction. Excellent. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So let's go back to caring for clients. And by the way, this is such an amazing name, especially in financial services. So I think well done on that front. Um, so, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your high-level financial planning process? What do you do at Caring for Clients? I think what, what makes it high-level uh, is, is the type of engagement we have, and I mean relational engagement that we have with our clients. The technical side of financial planning, I, I kind of think that's, that's the easy part, and, and it's really table stakes in, our, in, in, in this industry. The, the technical know-how, um, the, 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 the quality of the, the recommendations, the creativity of the recommendations, I think that's table stakes. So what really sets us apart, and I think what, what needs to set anybody apart in a service business, is really the degree to which they uh, get to know their clients, understand the unique attributes of their clients, can relate to the clients at a very personal level. Uh, and, and what that allows one to do is actually deliver an experience that is exceeds what that client was expecting when they walked in the door, has the potential to be much more life-altering. Um, but in order to have that kind of uh, relationship with a client, the mindset coming into the relationship with the client has to be all about that, that client's uh, well-being, that client's experience, and that, that client's um, ability or, or your ability to actually facilitate their personal and financial growth. Uh, and so that's, that's the value of, that, that's our corporate values. And when you say like the name of the company, it really is, it's, it is the truth of what we represent. Uh, and I'm happy to tell you how we came up, how I came up with the name of the company. Please tell us. Yeah, so it was, it was actually quite simple. And um, I was having wine one, uh, one day doing a little bit of thinking and visioning about the business with my business partner at the time. And uh, my background from an education standpoint was in marketing, business marketing. And so when trying to come up with a name, I went back to my, my marketing roots and simply said, well, the name of the company really should simply express what we do every day. What is it that we actually do when we walk into the door every day? Forget about the industry in, forget about the, 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 what we're selling, the service we're providing. What the heck do we do when we, when we walk in the office every day? And it just was so obvious to me. We, we care for our clients. And, and so I said, that's the name of the company. And I remember my partner saying, are you serious? Sounds like a healthcare company. And I said, I don't care if that's what it sounds like. That's, that's what we're going to be known for. And that's what consumers will expect and look for when, when they reach out to us. And the, and the nice thing also about that name, Pavel, is that it allows us to be anything we want to be as a company. Right? It, it, there's no limits to what we can deliver and how we can expand our services. And there's no limit to what clients can expect from us. So that was, that was how, it's, how it came to be. That's a great story. And you know, it always starts with wine. All the good stories starts with wine. So <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so so perfect. So and, and I think this is your your just uh, it's just you're so spot on with with you know caring for clients because it, you know it's all with every single business. It's all about the client. It's all about the user and software. It's all about the client. In for example, when you have services business, but um, so you you basically said that um, it's uh, the technical aspects just more they're just more table stakes, and of course you know you, you still have to go through the process and learn. So. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's kind of more table stakes. I understand that. So it's just a relationship, the engagement. So, so I'm curious. So, how do you uh, incorporate uh, the the kind of the, the the touch points within the company? How do you foster? How do you build a relationship? Maybe how do you develop this great relationship that basically uh, is uh, is uh, is helping you to to build those ama- to this enga- amazing um, engagement that you have with clients. Okay, so it's not magic, and your listeners have heard this before, but it's easier said than done, and that is ask questions and listen. And listen not in a way that means, well, what they say, oh, this is how I can use what they say to get them to um, hire me. No, 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 no. It's ask questions and then truly listen. Because if you truly listen, the answer to that question is going to lead to the next question and the next question and the next question. And, and, so, and, and you might say, well, what are the questions you ask? Well, one of the first questions that we ask when a, client's, or a prospective client is sitting with us for the first time is, why are you here now? What is happening in your life right now that motivated you to make the trip to the office to you know, provide us with some you know, information that we ask for and to be wanting to consider spending thousands of dollars working with us. What's happening now? And you know, it's be, you'd be amazed at how much we learn from that one question. And the answer to that question leads to so, so many, many more. Um, so the quality of your questions and, and what you do with what you learn is what actually creates uh, the relationship that you build. That's amazing. Ask and listen. I think uh, it's a really good advice, not only for financial services. And again, as you said, it's simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. So in terms of when you're looking, for example, uh, for maybe even you know, to hire a financial planner, what makes a good financial planner? Are you actually testing for the kind of listening skills? Um, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. For us here, you really have to care about people. I think the reason that uh, the, the people that I want to work with and that I want to help our clients are people that get off on making people feel good and helping them in whatever way you know will be relevant to them. So, um, so that has to be kind of at the core of their personality, the core of their character. Uh, and because the, there's a lot of people that have, that are very bright and that are interested in financial planning. And, and one of the great parts about financial planning, and it's also key about the people that, that we look to, to hire, are what are called continuous learners. And that is, it's a never-ending um, process of learning and integrating what you're learning into the work that you do. So um, an absolutely core level of, of, of an interest in, in people, uh, a desire for continuous learning. Um, clearly, they need to be 
have a high level of aptitude and, and, and a high level of organization and all those things that you would expect in, in, a, professional, in a professional role. Um, but really an enthusiasm for making a difference in people's lives um, is, is, is something that isn't universal. And therefore, it's the first thing that I look for as, as kind of a screening mechanism. Excellent. And how do you test for that? Because I'm really curious because, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe some uh, applicants could, I don't know, maybe fake this in the interview, right? How do you test for if the person is actually really truly caring uh, about and, and about the clients, right? Or will care about the clients and have this kind of customer-centric mindset? Yes, it, it really has to do with, again, even in an interview situation, uh, encouraging people to talk about themselves, their lives, what's important to them. Um, you know, part of it is, is you know, why, why they want to work with us rather than someone else. Um, what, do, what have they liked most about the work they've done? What have they disliked most about the environments they've worked in? Um, you know, we even ask them to tell, tell us about their family and, and just generally speaking, um, what makes them happy in life? And, and sure, I mean, when people come and they apply to work with us, they know that uh, we want them to be, you know, caring people. Um, and, but my job as, as a leader in this organization and, and as the first um, screener for, for considering applicants, I have to just be as good as possible at uh, assessing the, the, uh, the transparency, the honesty, and the authenticity of, of those that I'm talking to. So it's about the questions, and, and then it's about how I feel about the honesty of, of the responses. Excellent. So if... Uh uh, if you were going to say, for example, uh, or talk about, you know, what made you really successful in building your practice? I can see that this clear focus for our clients. I mean, that's the core for sure. And of course, you know, as a leader of the organization, you want to scale, you want to have a high, the right talent for your organization as well. Is there something else that made you successful in building your practice, caring for clients? Yes, I would say patience. Patience has been integral. So I would say Patience and, and an unwillingness to compromise my professional values. As I said, in the, in the early days, it was tough slogging. Uh, there were not a lot of people who really understood that there would be value in paying for advice. And so that meant that in, you know, I would say the first 10 years uh, of the company's life, it was slow, slow going. Uh, and I could have many times grown faster. Uh, generated more revenue. Uh, frankly, my business could be two or three times the size it is today on the asset management side if I had compromised what my focus was and, and focused more strictly on the traditional methods of working with clients and bringing in investment management clients and accounts. Um, but I didn't. And, and that required a whole lot of patience. Uh, and, but but it's paying off now because we we are known our our industry reputation and our reputa reputation you know with consumers is one of uh, huge integrity uh, and um, and and purpose and and so when we say we, we we believe in something they know we do because it's been the case for the last eighteen years it's not like we've just started. Um, Believing in the things that we we believe in and acting the way that we do, um, but it's very. 
I would say being patient is challenging because there are many pressures out there. Uh, and one of the reasons why I've been able to be patient, and this is important for your listeners, is, is the fact that it's my business and there's nobody telling me how much I have to sell, how quickly I have to grow. Uh, the only pressure would be coming from myself. So um, I, I don't uh, minimize how difficult it can be in a in a more corporate environment when you when you aren't in charge of um, your you know what 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 is required from a growth standpoint um, the pressures are there but for me um, I was able to ignore those kinds of things and be as patient as I needed to be to have the market eventually come around to what we're all about that's amazing and would you say is this easier would it be easier for example in this landscape what we have today uh, you know 2018 Canada would it be easier to launch a fee-for-service uh, financial planning firm? Oh, it's way easier, way, way easier for, for so many reasons. Uh, and, and, and it's also why there's a lot of um, financial planning programs now, and there's lots of young uh, and not-so-young professionals graduating with certified financial planning designations, and they have no interest in uh, managing money and selling investments or, or insurance. They just want to plan. And the good news is, is that there are more and more Canadians that uh, want that objective advice that is separate from the product sales, uh, the product sales decision. And, and also, they, there are more and more Canadians that are now using robo-advisors for their investment management or they're managing their investments themselves. And so they have a need. There's a gap there uh, on the advice, on the comprehensive advice side. And so that creates an opportunity for fee-only financial planners to establish a practice. And it's one of the reasons why the timing of Viviplan and what we're doing here is so right. So let's talk about Viviplan. So because you've built a very successful practice, quality, uh, clients and uh, you know, quality staff, just you build amazing business. So why Viviplan then? Well, as I said at the beginning, it's really about scaling the impact of, of what I do. You know, I'm only one person and we've been able to grow through hiring some some fabulous talent here here at the company caring for clients and we'll continue to grow um, but but there's a limit to how many people we can we can advise in this one-on-one uh, -on -one kind of arrangement and so it's really Viviplan for me is my legacy project it's a way of having lasting impact on a very large scale nationally potentially societal impact. Uh, and so um, it, it, it really just goes well beyond what I can do, what I think is on a small scale when I think of the size of Canada and, then, and the number of people that actually need uh, financial planning. Excellent. So you, uh, you've built BV Plan, and of course, there's, uh, you know, it's major use of technology to basically help you scale. So can you tell us about you know, some of the challenges of scaling your practice and, and you know, how VV Plan is applying technology mm -hmm. to uh, bring the cost of advice from, you said, you know, at least three and a half, four thousand dollars to, you know, to uh, whatever, whatever you charge in, uh, for, for planning BV Plan. Can mm -hmm. you talk, talk a little bit about the technology that, can, that you've built and, or you're using right now that helps you to uh, achieve the scale? Sure. So any uh, fintech startup, the technology is one that evolves over time. Uh, and Favelle, you probably can relate to this 
uh, oh, in I terms of how, <laughs> how you built snap projections. I mean, what it was in the first six months is not what it is now and not what it will be yep. five years from now. So, um, so VivuPlan started with an idea and myself and my co-founder, Seon, he's an engineering science um, graduate from U of T. And so together uh, we're building this and, and the technology that's been built so far is um, really focused on the client onboarding, which is the collection of three to 400 data points required to build a thorough, uh, comprehensive, actionable financial plan and making that process user-friendly. So already we're on version six. We've, um, we've created now six versions in the last, I guess, five months based on user feedback. Um, the, in order to get the, the cost of us delivering our planning uh, down so that it's profitable at the $800 level means we need to create the next level of technology, which really is the financial planning engine, where we can create that pipeline from the data collection to the um, the manipulation of the data to provide feedback to the client. Um, there's people, there's planners behind the scenes doing a lot of this work right now. And so when you say what's the biggest challenge, uh, the biggest challenge right now is uh, is on the on the investment side. So figuring out um, how to either attract investors so that we can hire the engineering talent necessary to build and scale the technology faster, or uh, generate you know enterprise level sales that will also allow us to make an investment in in the people we need to continue to build build the technology. So you know it's early days for us. Where we are right now, though, is we've got proof of concept, we've got proof of market, we've got clients, you know, almost more clients than we can, we can take. Uh, and, and so it really is about how do we, um, I'm personally financing the company myself right now. And so, uh, you know, there comes a time where it makes sense to bring in partners. And, and that's really what's going to help us scale faster. But ultimately, my vision, just to, to, to get this out there, is that ultimately, long term, we want to put the, the, the controls in, in the hands of the consumer such that it, it gets to a point where they can actually manipulate the data themselves and play with scenarios themselves and see how various decisions can impact outcomes in a very dynamic fashion. Um, but that's probably three to five years out. Okay, excellent. So you started with uh, uh, the onboarding process and focused focused on on, on this process being very user friendly and engaging for for consumers, so they can actually um, uh, collect all the data. You can collect all the data uh, connected to the planning engine. What do you use for planning right now in terms of the software? Because that's a separate third party software right now, right? Yeah, so we're using third-party software right now. Right now, we're using uh, NaviPlan. One, because that is a piece of software that's um, familiar to our existing planners and meets the needs of the type of planning that we're doing. And we're using that while we um, create and build our own um, internal engine. And we're also open to looking at possible partnerships externally. But, you know, any it's always best to, to kind of own own what you build, 
as it were, um, because it just gives you much more control over the future development of, of the software. So right now we're using NaviPlan. Uh, it isn't perfect by any means, but um, it, it, it has some shortfalls as it relates to sophisticated planning, but that's not the kind of planning that we do at VivipLan. Uh, anybody that's, any consumer that's got, you know, a corporation, a trust, complex estate planning, uh, those kinds of things would not be suitable for, for VivipLan. Can you talk a little bit about the pricing of VivipLan? You mentioned $800, right? So what is this, uh, uh, is there a couple of uh, tiers of, or a couple of approaches for different, uh, consumer, for different types of consumers? Yeah, I would say we have essentially three tiers right now, and we created those because we wanted there to be options for, for users. There's, um, you know, a simple kind of modular feedback. If somebody wants to know what, um, like for $450, we'll, we'll give people feedback in terms of their affordability housing affordability for example they're looking to buy a house can they afford or a condo can they afford a you know five hundred thousand seven hundred thousand three hundred fifty thousand um because they can trust us to give them the honest feedback and consider all of their other financial obligations maybe they're going to be starting a family as well whereas if they go to the bank the bank's going to tell them that they can probably borrow more than they, they reasonably should so so for a standalone analysis like that, you're looking at about $450. Uh, and then um, for $500, we'll, um, we'll look at two possible questions. One might be, um, you know, should I uh, take CPP at 65 or should I delay to 70 and should I downsize? You know, those kinds of things, retirement scenarios. Um, the $800 plan, I think, is the best value and it's actually the one that uh, with – with only one exception, all consumers, that's the one they've gone for. And that's the one that, that provides that comprehensive uh, picture where um, we'll build you know, three, you know, two or three scenarios. We're looking at cash flow, tax, um, asset allocation on the investment side. We're reviewing wills, giving them feedback on the estate planning side of things, uh, a full insurance analysis and recommendations, and so and the whole retirement planning piece. So it's it's I think it's the best value. And the other thing that that eight hundred dollar package includes is that you know thirty to forty five minute meeting with virtual meeting with the financial planner to go through the plan to ask any questions because I have to say that you know. A, a really comprehensive financial planning report is pretty amazing, but for the the average Canadian consumer, it, it it's hard to understand. So the, the planner engagement is really important. Excellent. So there is a there is an opportunity to actually to, for for the consumer to actually uh, speak with a financial planner on your team, which is which is excellent. And and still uh, the the price point even eight hundred dollars that's just it's an amazing price point. It's a great deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Um, uh, excellent. Wow. Um, very impressed. So, uh, so this really brings me to kind of a tongue in cheek, uh, kind of question, but you know, how do you think the delivery of financial advice is going to evolve? Like will robo planners essentially replace financial planners at some point? No, they won't replace financial planners because I think any financial planner knows that the plan is only as good as the degree to which a, a client implements it and maintains that planning focus and updates and adapts over time. So what I think is that the, the role or the function of the financial planner is going to change. Up until now, it's a big part of, of what planners do is, is data entry, data collection, um, data manipulation, uh, those kinds of things, report generation. And I think those aspects will be um, eventually 
technology is going to, to facilitate more and more of those aspects of the rule. Uh, but the planner is still needs to connect with the consumer. The planner still needs to be able to educate and explain to the consumer the, what the feedback is and why it's relevant to them, and then motivate and support that, that individual in implementing the plan. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, did the internet eliminate the need for doctors? I mean, we Google stuff for, for medical information all the time. Pharmacists are going to be able to prescribe medication more and more, all of those things. But are doctors still necessary? Absolutely, because um, there's so much more information on the Internet that we can go through ourselves, and they have context and they have experience. And so I think that, um, uh, that, that financial planners are going to focus the same way that doctors, doctors do more so now, and that is understanding the history of the client, um, putting information and knowledge into, into context for that client, and then checking in and following up with them. Now, that's one problem that maybe we have in the medical system, that the follow-up is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I think, going to be one of the key roles of planners going forward, is that accountability piece, is keeping clients on track. And so that's something that we are working on building into Viviplan and integrating that whole ongoing relationship management and accountability piece. That's excellent, and uh, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, you know, just uh, tech is you know tech is here essentially to augment the capabilities of great planners, right? It's not going to replace planners. Uh, it, it's not really about the numbers themselves. It's interpretation of those numbers, making uh, decisions, implementing actually the advice, right? Because the plan without being uh, implemented is actually useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so can you tell us a little bit more about your 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 plans around uh, maybe the tech that you're building right now, around especially accountability, around implementing plan, and uh, around you know giving access uh, to for consumers to actually maybe change some data within the plan. I don't know, client portal. Do we have? Do we have uh, what? What kind of uh, what kind of new features uh, are you thinking about, or new uh, aspects of, of technology sector you're thinking about building? Yeah, I mean, right now, from an ongoing client relationship management standpoint, we're we're keeping it simple and uh, and using um, you know the the idea of not chatbots, but ways to communicate through our website. So when, when, when clients are completing their onboarding information, if they have a question, they can just post it online. We can respond in a timely fashion. So there's certain technologies that we use for that. Also, in terms of clients that want to engage with us on an ongoing basis, and we're, we're building out a, a, a monthly subscription uh, feature, then it will be some. It will be things like well, when we know that there are certain action items that they have to implement, there'll be an automated or automated email that goes out that says, "Okay, it's time for you to have done this. Did you get the will and power of attorney done yet?" So, again, using automated email systems to actually make sure that there's that ongoing accountability. The whole dynamic aspect of of uh, of the data manipulation and all of that, that that's a ways out and and we need um, we need deeper pockets to actually get to that point uh, and that just requires a, a little bit more time I think in the marketplace um, okay so you mentioned uh, you're uh, potentially looking for partners to help you uh, finance uh, uh, the technology and I know that you know there might be some people listening here so who might be in, uh, in a position uh, to actually uh, maybe help so what kind of uh, what kind of partners are you looking for um, who would be a good partner good investor in VV plan yeah so I think a good investor has a few attributes and and you know money is just part of it uh, we're looking for people that share our vision. 
uh, about really how important planning is and the impact it can it can make uh, you know with people and and within our country so having that shared vision is extremely important um, because the journey of a startup is is never a straight line and so there needs to be an alignment of, of mission and, and values uh, then I think what also would be helpful is if um, they are interested in uh, being part of, you know, a typical board of advisors, which is that they have um, a background, um, skills, expertise that, you know, we would benefit from. That might be expertise in the area of um, software development. It could be in the area of, um, uh, of, of sales and business development. It could be uh, a, a whole range of, of backgrounds, but filling gaps that, that, that we have here because, you know, startup, there's me and my, my co-founder, uh, and then we've got, um, some planners working with us and so on. But, um, we, we, we're looking, always looking for people that have either connections that would facilitate our, our development or growth or business experience that we could draw on, um, that would actually, you know, make their, their investment uh, much more likely to be, um, a very, very lucrative one. Wonderful. So if there's anybody uh, listening, maybe there's, we'll, we'll, we'll let them know how to connect with you. Thank you. Okay, so uh, I want to go back to, to caring for clients for a second and uh, maybe for, uh, to, to maybe give some advice to advisors who actually have been, maybe I would call it trapped in the current model, how the industry works, but are thinking uh, about doing planning. And because we have a lot of advisors coming even to us, is just the thing, they've never had the opportunity to do planning and they do care about clients, but they, they want to start doing planning. Do we have any advice for them how they can start doing financial planning? Sure. Well, the, the first thing is that they should get their CFP designation if they don't already have it. I think that's, from a consumer standpoint, Canadians understand that that's, that's the designation that is a minimum requirement. And, and I think that you know, most serious financial professionals already have it or are on their way to getting it. Uh, and I think that the environment, we're, we're heading towards financial planning being a regulated industry. And again, the CFP is going to be uh, a requirement. Um, so that, that's, that's number one. Number two is um, I think they need to be realistic about the time involved in incorporating financial planning into their practice and uh, deciding from kind of the get-go whether or not they want to do it themselves or whether they want to bring someone into their team to, to do it for them. Because financial planning is a time-intensive um, process. Uh, and I think it would surprise many advisors, if they haven't really done it before, exactly how much time it takes. And I think that's why many of the bank-owned brokerage firms have internal CFPs that their advisors can parachute in to develop plans for their clients, uh, to up the, the level of service and holistic nature of their relationship. Because it, 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 they have found, I, I assume, that to be far more efficient and cost-effective uh, than having those advisors do the work themselves or even having a full-time planner on their team. So it's really figuring out who's going to do it and how much time you're going to dedicate to it because once you start planning with a client, you're going to be forever more planning with a client. So it's not just a process that you do to get that client in the door and engaged with you and, 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 and incented to, to have you manage their money. It's, it's a process you're going to be doing with that client now for the rest of that, the time that they are a client. So it's really understanding that the, 
the time and the human resources involved are significant. Excellent. Tarana, as we come to a close here, um, this podcast is all about growing your practice. And you've heard a lot of wisdom so far, but do you have any parting words of wisdom for the listeners? Well, what I would say is that I think you chose the right business. If you're in the financial services business and, and you're in it because you, you see it as the financial services, the services in bold caps, uh, then this is, this is a sweet time um, because there's going to be, I think, um, a shift. There is a shift happening away from transactional orientation of dealing with, with clients and the more relational type of, of work that we do. So if that's what excites you, uh, then it is a very exciting time. And all I would say is that um, keep learning, keep listening to podcasts like this and be open-minded about how you, you, you're comfortable seeing your, your business evolve uh, and be willing to adapt and be willing to adapt. So continuous learning is what we look for from our potential uh, planners. And, and I think it's essential for um, professionals in our field. Wonderful. Uh, Rona, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? They can reach me at uh, rona at caringforclients.com. They can find um, me on uh, Twitter at caring for the number four clients. Uh, they can um, find me on LinkedIn, Rona Bierenbaum. You know what? Just Google me <laughs> and <laughs> you'll find me uh, lots of ways to reach me. Lots of ways to reach you. Excellent. Uh, Rona, I really enjoyed this. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And thank you for the opportunity, Kavel. You're doing great work. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojections.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review, which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>